0: Greetings, students, and welcome to another fun-filled day here at Horror in the Halls. What's up, kids, and welcome to Horror in the Halls. I'm Bob, a.k.a. Mr. Holland.
1: And I'm Jenny, a.k.a. Mrs. Hill.
0: And we're just two high school teachers talking about spooky stuff. And In this week's lesson, we're talking about the Lovecraftian... Oh my gosh, I said that wrong. Lovecraftian (laughs) Descent into Weirdness. Uh, 2022 is glorious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There we go. We're two seconds in. I already said something silly.
1: (laughs) It's fine. Keep it in.
0: (laughs) Your teachers aren't perfect, guys. See what happens. <laughs> We're just people like you.
1: Oh, yeah. All right, so
0: good. let's start with the deets. Uh, it's re- directed by Rebecca McKendry, who is really interesting because um, she has, like, a PhD in horror movies. Like, she's, like, a really what? well-versed. Like, yeah, it's wild. Like, she has a couple degrees, like, in media studies and film studies. And I think her actual PhD is in, when you see her in interviews, they always say in horror movies. So I'm like, that's pretty wild. So that was kind of interesting. She's worked for like Fangoria yeah, and Blumhouse. I horror movies. That's I kinda crazy. Wanna, I kind of want to go through <laughs> the
1: <laughs> But hold on. I am a doctor. I have a doctor in horror. I'm
0: Dr. Horn, but for horror movies. So get it right or pay the price. That's, that's fun. I know, right? Uh, it's written by Joshua Hall. And then her husband, David Ian McKendry, also kind of wrote it. Of course, loosely based on... Lovecraft, so you know, as you can tell, if you've watched this movie, it's very Lovecraft. We'll get yes, more into yes. that later. um It's got pretty good reviews, man. Like eighty six on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score was fifty four, but I think it's because most people don't have good taste. And then uh it's got three point one on Letterbox. <laughs> he says most people
1: don't have good taste. It's true. Dude. It's true. It has to be very artistic, which I mean, this kind of is, but whatever.
0: Well, that's why it has an eighty six for the critic one. That's how you know it's yeah. like. Because normally I go by the, the audience one, but this is one of those weird movies. And Lovecraft's real hit or miss because some people won't watch yeah. it on principle because they hate Lovecraft because he was notoriously racist.
1: Yeah, I intentionally read the text first before I jumped into the movie because I figured it would probably be a better idea to do that. So yeah.
0: see that. So this yeah, this movie's pretty really interesting. Like, um, I liked it. I really liked it, and I really didn't at the same time. It was really weird.
1: Yeah. So, when I finished watching it, I looked at Johnny and I said, it's right. Um, (laughs) I said, I don't love it, but I don't typically love that type of, I don't even know if you would call it folklore, because it's, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say about it, to be honest with you. I thought it was very strange, but again, this, the text is really strange, which I'll get to, um. I liked the main character, but I really enjoyed the the demon or the devil god or whatever. I'm gonna let you say his name because I'm. This is not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. That's,
0: that's what I'm here for, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's get to the cast real quick, just so we uh, okay. can continue our conversation. So first and foremost, the main character, Wes, uh, Ryan Quatine or Quintin. I always say his last name wrong. Um,
1: Jason Stackhouse. Let's
0: just be Yeah, I know. I was about to say, Jason from <laughs> True Blood. Um, he's also in one of my like favorite movies, Knights of Bad Aston, which is just so, so great. Oh, I love that movie I haven't movie ever so seen much. that. You and Johnny should watch it, because Johnny will love it if he's not seen it. It's okay. it's great. Um, I love him. He was great in this. I thought he did a really good job, and I'll get more into his his role in a little bit. But, to your point, the voice of the primordial demigod or Elder God or whatever you want to call him. Uh, Gatanathoa, Foa. What they call him Gat in the movie. Because no one wants to say that over and over again. Nope. Is freaking J.K. Simmons. Which if someone needs to be the voice of a God. I think J.K. Simmons is pretty spot on. Like I would. I bought yeah. that. And he was stellar.
1: Like, Yes he was. He didn't have, he have to be present. His voice was present enough. So. Exactly.
0: He's one of those actors. It's like um, last episode. I kind of talked about like V for Vendetta. It's like Hugo Weaving in that movie. You did never, you never had to see his face to get all the emotion and all of um, just the presence of his character. And I think J.K. Simmons is the same. Like his voice had weight to it. You know what I mean? Like when he says stuff, oh, you're like, oh, oh. like you wouldn't need any visuals at all. And I thought it was really cool.
1: Yeah, he's he is a very, um, he's uh, that just shows you how well of an actor he is. Like he does a really good job. Yeah, he killed. It. I mean, it, it, I'm sure he's. I, I would assume that he's done some type of audiobook. If he hasn't, he needs to. But whatever.
0: I could imagine. Yeah. He's probably reading the Bible or something. I would believe it was the Word of God. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the rest of the cast. Oh, is, scream, but okay. That would be
0: good. Wouldn't it would be funny. You got <laughs> Sylvia Grace Krim. She plays Brenda, like kind of the flashback girlfriend. Andre Lamar yeah. is really funny as Gary C. He's just the rest stop worker who made the mistake of stopping at this rest stop. There's some weird people in here. There's like Tordy Clark. She plays the trucker at the beginning. I yeah, don't understand I, why she's there.
1: I, well, I wrote some stuff about her at the beginning. So I'm, I'll let you keep talking. And then when we get to it, I'll, I'll kind of say where my thoughts were on that.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then the rest of the cast is just Sarah Clark. She's a blonde woman at the party. The weird chick that he's like creeping on at the party before he meets his girlfriend, Brenda. And then... The Bear was actually voiced by someone named Katie Bach. It's B A C Q E.
1: Wow. They even put that in there. That's interesting. Yeah. That's the thing. I guess cast they have number. to.
0: I think if I was a director, I'd have voiced the bear. It'd have been like I love you very much. It'd have been weird and creepy.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: But yeah, that's the cast. Like I said, it's very small cast. It's like a one location film, you know, like
1: Yes. One of them,
0: obviously, they had to convert to a set, but it really is. There's one exterior shot and one interior, and that's it.
1: Which I think plays very well on the theme. Yeah,
0: I thought they did a really good job, you know, using just the sparseness of the location to its utmost effect. Like,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: especially like those intro scenes where you kind of see him lose his mind a little bit, which is very Lovecraftian. So let's... um. Let's backtrack just a little bit because you said you had some some thoughts on this weird trucker lady for no reason. I had a couple as well, so let's start there. So the film starts off; he's just driving down the road, looking disheveled, like he looks like something's wrong, like he's off. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And you, before you get further with that, the opening song, yeah, was awesome, and it they, and it comes back to it, which I love because I love it anytime they use any type of like really upbeat like. Supposed to be like happy music in some type of horror movie. So this one was "Wait Till the Sun Shines," Nelly by Buddy Holly, and I thought that was like the perfect pairing because of the lyrics to it. And you don't really figure it out until the end. I'm like, that's a really odd choice, but then it makes more sense at the end. But we'll get there too. So let's see. Um, I had a couple of questions at the beginning, and I wrote, so I took notes. On a notepad this time, like a smart person would do, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to learn, you know. But um, what's in the red box? Because he's driving around and he's looking quite disheveled, like you said. And he it keeps panning over to this red box in his passenger seat, and he keeps looking over at it. Um, and then I I'm asking who is the cryptic lady in the beginning? Like she's just kind of sitting there, and yeah. she's kind of giving him this weird advice. At the beginning? Yeah. With the candy machine? It was really weird.
0: Yeah, I think it's something like... Sometimes when you think things are broken, you have just given up or something like that. And, it's, yeah, it's very odd. And I was thinking later on while he's talking to Gat, Gat mentions having siblings that are out in the world. And I wonder if she is supposed to be, like, the representation of one of his siblings. Because, like, she's doing those weird things with the paper balls that she has lined up on the table. And then when she leaves... There's that crazy, like, glowing flower covered in the goo, and she, like, smiles at it like she knows what it is. Yeah. Like, it's a yeah. knowing smile, and then he leaves.
1: Well, that's what I was, that's, that's where my, I was like, who is she? And then, like, I put lady smiles, what's the goo on the flower? Yeah. Um, she knows what's up, and she knows why he's there. And it's almost like a cryptic warning before she leaves. But she knows his purpose there. Like, so, I I would venture to say that might be who she was. You know what I'm saying?
0: I think so. Because, like, I mean, I don't know why else they would have done that. Because that seemed kind of... It didn't fit what was going on. You know what I mean? Like, to be one of the only other characters you see on screen, and then she's, like, all here, like, weird, sneering. Yeah, I think so. Because I was thinking maybe she was, like, the dad that he talks about. But I think the dad would have just went in there and killed it. Yeah. I mean, and not been Based on...
1: Yeah, based on the history of what he like explains. So yeah, it it, it couldn't have been I also think the dad. it could have
0: been like a weird um kind of hint to the end, like how the dad just wants him to destroy the universe, but then her saying like not all things are broken. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe Yeah. None of the siblings want to destroy the universe and she kinda wants him to go back to being ethereal. It's kinda weird, man. You know, it's um just so no one tries to call us on this. It's not uh, the song Wake to the Sunshine and the one they're using is actually the Bell Sisters of Bing Crosby.
1: Oh, it is? Yeah. I knew that was Bing. I said, well, it says Buddy Holly, but I, I thought it sounded like Bing. Okay. We might have covered
0: that it, sense. but that, that's the version in the movie. It's the Bell Sisters of okay. Bing
1: Crosby. Okay. Well, no. I, I When I was watching it with Johnny, I said, that sounds like Bing Crosby. But when I searched it, I didn't search the movie soundtrack. I just m- looked up the song and it was Buddy Holly. So that's what it was. But yeah, I I, I thought of that sounded like him. I was like, that doesn't sound like Buddy Holly, but maybe I'm just forgetting what he sounds like.
0: What's what you said? You said Buddy Holly in my brain. I was like, that is not... Because I just listened to it again before we started recording. And I was like, that does not sound like Buddy Holly. So I Googled no.
1: it. No, no, but it definitely sounds like being... And that makes more sense. Okay, good.
0: Yeah. I so I was right the at, at the Google. first
1: time.
0: <laughs> the ever trusted Google. I looked it up. So, yeah. So, um. Yeah, this movie, I mean it's a solid cosmic horror film. I really feel like I kinda of wrote a note here that it falls flat in some areas and shines in others. I think my biggest thing was this movie really could have been like a forty-five minute short film.
1: Yes, it could have. It was it was too it was too drawn out.
0: Yeah, but you know, I was um thinking and it makes sense if you're gonna pay the money to get JK Simmons, use him to the utmost.
1: Here's the thing. He was my absolute favorite throughout this whole thing. I did not like Wes from the very beginning to the very end. I thought he was a horrible person. And I deduced that he was a horrible, wretched being. So, I, by the time we get to the end, we figure out who he actually is. I'm like, I knew it. I oh, didn't like spoilers, him. Guys. I had bad vibes. What is it? I
0: said spoilers, guys. Forgot to say leave with that again. If you haven't watched this movie, you probably
1: stopped. <laughs> yes, you should. I <laughs> <down. Sure. laughs>
0: told down. you a lot. I meant to leave with that. I'm bad about that, y'all. Sorry. Um, Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think he plays the character off right. So from the beginning, you know something is off about this dude. I was not quite sure what. Like, um, I was not. I had not single out that that dude was a serial killer. So there you go. Surprise! If you didn't know, I told. I warned you. In my brain, he was like, I don't know, just like abuse her, or he cheated on her, or something real shitty. Like maybe like you know, because he calls her all those times. I was like, I just wanted to hear your voice, and I was like, that's weird. But he calls her like 10 times and then gets mad and throws his phone.
1: So the fact that he is so manic about it and he's got all that stuff in the back seat and he's still calling and he's drinking. Like When he opens the back door to his car to get the bottle of liquor out, it's got a bunch of her belongings in it. And I'm like, she's freaking dead, dude. In my brain, I didn't say this out loud to Johnny because he usually gets frustrated with me in movies. Like he's seen it already, yeah. but he'll be like, "Seriously, is do you, is that what?" You, and then it'll ha- and then it comes to fruition. He's like, "I just wish you wouldn't have said anything." I'm like, "I'm sorry. I just read a lot of stuff." <laughs> so, so like it was like subtle hints, like foreshadowing that gave it away to me that she was dead and he felt guilt and that's why he was pissed off and threw his phone when i also put break's phone face palm stupid yeah i was like why do you do that all horror movies you do something stupid the phone breaking is always one i'm like dumbass.
0: You, know, you paid for that dummy well you know like even at that point though her being dead could be a conclusion but i would not have seen him having that box full of other people he's murdered like that's what kind of threw me like like okay he probably killed her or she died that was where I was at. Like maybe she passed away and he was coming from, cause he's re, he's dressed up at the beginning. So it was like, is he coming from? Yeah. Um, is he depressed? You know, cause a lot of going into it, I had an idea already that it was like based on like a, like Lovecraftian, Lovecraftian um, ethos. So I did it again. Lovecraftian. So in my brain, I was like, okay, so it's going to have some descent into madness. Cause that's mm-hmm. all Lovecraft does is every character starts off kind of. Okay. And then loses their fucking mind by the end because they've seen some eldritch horror. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, my God, you looked at me and now you're crazy. Like, that's like Lovecraft 101. So that's what I assumed was going to happen. Like, maybe he was on this path. But then all of a sudden, that flashback, you're like, nah, dude, you've killed like a bunch of people. <laughs> like, you're a horrible person.
1: Yeah. And I was very curious as to what was in that red box. Yeah. And it also doesn't like it, it kind of gives you a glimpse of what's in it. But it only shows you, like, the backside of the Polaroid pictures when he's burning them. So, I'm like, what the hell are those pictures of? And he intentionally does that, which I thought was, because it holds out to tell you what's actually in the box. Which I, that part I do like. Because I'm like, if they had given it away at the beginning, you would have just super hated him. Yeah. But, I mean... Most people watching it would be like, okay, well, maybe he's just grieving because maybe she cheated on him and, like, something bad happened or whatever. Maybe he left her and I don't know. Yeah. Like, it could have been something, like, that that small. But, no, it was something much greater I know, it was that. cool.
0: So, let's, let's kind of yeah. get into the, the, I guess, the meat of the movie. So, of course, he we start off, he drives up, he looks like we, like we just talked about for a few minutes, disheveled, he's got this car full of stuff, he has this weird interaction over like a Choco stick candy bar. Because he's losing his mind.
1: It's uh, like the only thing him, in the venom I know it's <laughs> One
0: thing. And he's like, oh, it took my money. Um, which, you know, I probably would have broke that machine. But whatever.
1: So he has this whole thing.
0: And then you go to this whole montage of him burning stuff. And just getting hammered off like yeah. a bottle of a whiskey. And then he wakes up with no pants on in the morning. After some weird like purple light kind of cosmic stuff. You see like dreamscapes. And some weird cuts of a woman holding the box. So it gives you a little foreshadowing. then he wakes up just super sick. And runs into this bathroom at this rest stop that he's at. He's the only person here. Which yeah. is sketch all by itself. And then he's vomiting in this bathroom. And then all of a sudden this weird detached voice starts talking to him. Like did you get it all out? Was that it? And he's like uh yeah I think so. So he starts off this uncomfortable conversation. And as a dude. Dude one-on-one is, you don't talk to someone else in the bathroom. You get like a, hey, what's up? But there's no like, we're not having a conversation in the stalls, my man.
1: Don't talk to me. We're not friends. I mean, I don't really particularly want to talk to the person next to me in the stall. So No one should, but that's, that's like a,
0: you know, hey, cool. You get a nod or a, hey, and then I'm going to go do my business and I'm going to leave and don't speak to me again. But they have this weird... <laughs> Because he asked him, he's like, where are we? Because it, it, it makes it seem like Gat doesn't know where he actually is. He just knows he was called to this person. So that's like the first indicator. Because he yeah. says, oh, it's a bathroom. And you're like, yeah, it's a bathroom. What are you talking about? Um, and then it goes on to that. And he's like, okay, well, there's two. You forgot two most important things. Me and you and conversation. I'm like, well, no. And it was this weird. And then it <laughs> progresses into like this wild, like 40 minutes. I know of him that's being locked in a bathroom
1: with him yeah and trying to escape and it backfiring on him like real bad
0: yeah and he just doesn't listen like the thing tells him like three times not to look at him and he keeps trying to look and i guess you the whole deserve thing to
1: die you dumb and shit he, he
0: did and he did and i think that's the point at the end yes. well the whole thing the movie's called glorious right so you think the whole gag of this movie is there's like a gnarly glory hole in this bathroom he yeah. even says you're glow- glory hole adjacent uh, in this stall. And it has this crazy, like, Cthulhu esque drawing on a yeah. woman with tentacles right around this glory hole. And that kind of leads up to, like, the big gag of the movie, which could have oh, happened probably 20 it was minutes earlier.
1: Oh, so good, though. it was... I
0: know. Well, like, it's great to hear J.K. Simmons say the line What the hell is that? Do you really think your human penis is going to save the universe? So I'm just like. <laughs>
1: like i, I know
0: i didn't know i thought that's what you wanted he's like no i need your liver what
1: well i actually i thought that was timed well because i was getting very like exhausted watching him screw up so many times and i'm like he is specifically telling you what to do and you're not listening and i'm like and he is, is very defiant in that. He's like, I'm going to get out of here and you can't do anything to me about it and fuck you. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, are you serious? Yeah, like, wouldn't you? He, he never actually you tells there.
0: him what to do, though. He, he doesn't tell him what to do until after he shoves his dick in the no, he
1: No, he says, sit in the stall and then don't answer the door. Don't let him in. He does all those things. He does exactly yeah, but, the opposite every time he asks him not to do something.
0: I feel like the movie could have been like, hey, conversation. I need your liver. Cut it out, right? Because that's a big ask. To take a broken right. shard of glass and cut your own liver out is a big ask. So it's like, that. you could have had a lot of that movie being him trying to like, I can't do that. That's like, I'm not a doctor. You know what I mean? Like, instead it was like 30 minutes of, I think you want to eat my junk. I don't <laughs> want you to eat my junk. Um, and then fine. And he's
1: like, what are you doing? What the hell is that? Well, here's the thing. While I was watching it, if it hadn't had the build up that it had like I don't like necessarily like how long it was. I thought it also could have been shorter. But essentially I think what they wanted to do was achieved well only because he was like, I just need you to sit here and have a conversation with me first. And so then you can decide at the end if you really want to to do this for me or not even though he was going to do it regardless he was going to take from him there was no decision there was no him he just wanted him to give it willingly is what it was he's like i'm going to say in the matter yeah no he didn't and he was (laughs) like and Gats kind of like hey let me befriend you a little bit first and stroke your ego a tad and like let's talk and then let me ask you for something and make you feel like you could potentially be a hero at the end of this story when we know he's not going to be so
0: it's true, yeah, because like there was a part like, I kind of wrote down that he like uses um, Brenda the girlfriend as like a like a motivator, yeah, was, like you know because he, he's talking about his dad's coming to get him and uh, he wants to use him to end the universe, and mm-hmm. they can't say the word in this movie, but his dad's Cthulhu, like in the mythos, his dad's Cthulhu. So all this, you have to get to the point where like Cthulhu is tearing this rest stop apart to get to his son, and he's yeah. like. Screw it, I'll do it. And he's like, but he's all like, yeah, think of Brenda. Think of, I'm trying to channel JK Simmons here. It's like, think of Brenda. Think of, you'll be the savior. Knowing good and well that if you use a shard of glass to cut your liver out, you are going to die.
1: Yeah, but he and he's, but he's so stupid. Well, he even yeah, tells he's him, like...
0: you can survive with 25% of your liver. He doesn't follow up with, if you cut it out in a hospital, you're going to bleed to death. <laughs> but then yeah. at the end, he kind of tells him that. He's like, We don't, the earth, the world deserves better than us. Like the whole, the whole point was you're a serial killer. That's when you find out he's a serial killer is at that end, like montage. You don't deserve to live.
1: No, the world's too pretty for you.
0: Yeah. He made him think he was going to survive though. Yeah. I cut this out and I'll be a hero. I'm a hero. No man, you're a monster. That's what he says. I'm a hero. No, you're a monster. The world's too pretty for you. And I, I did, I did love that. You know, I thought it was cool. I did not expect him to be a serial killer. I did think I, I kind of agree with you. I, it is kind of like not necessarily apparent, but it's very out there that he probably killed his girlfriend. She's yeah. no longer with us. As you you get that pretty early on, and he's like grieving. But I think it's he's grieving the fact that he killed her because I don't think he well, wanted yeah, to kill her.
1: No, he didn't because he wanted because he kept saying she was. They kept alluding to the fact. I like, kept saying, "Oh, but she was different." You said I was different. You said I was different. Well, because well, she, she was, was. different. Because. She was the one that he fell in love with, and was trying hard not to revert back to that life. Because when you talk about the the party that they flash back to, and he's and that where they met, and he's like looking at that blonde chick that's in the movie, it's very apparent he is stalking her to be one of his next victims for his little red box.
0: Yeah, and she's also Brenda's not his like target type she's not that like, no because it was all girl. like
1: yeah it was all like blondes
0: mm-hmm. yeah I'm sure that's probably what his mom looked like and that's why he wanted to kill them he talks about his backstory of his dad being kind of an abuser and stuff so like you yeah. get that picture of who he is so all right well guys this week we mentioned it last week we do now have an official rubric so let's see if we can grade this movie anything else you want to add to it before we go into the rubric
1: yes i want to add one more thing because I, I see it on my list, but the rest stop worker that comes in,
0: uh, poor poor Gary C.
1: Yeah, I was not expecting the torrential downpour of blood in that scene, and my husband wanted he just laughed. He was like, "Yes," <laughs> I was like, "Why are you this way?" <laughs> but I was like, I just looked at him like, "Are you serious?" Oh, like,
0: well, yeah, I that's hor-
1: horrible. Way. You needed it it to is.
0: know how powerful he was. Like,
1: yeah, he's like, really see perfect. what happens. I warned you.
0: Yeah, because at that point he already warned him like three times. I quit messing around. Now he's like, I told you not to do this. Now you. Have to see is what's going to d- happen?
1: I'm ass. He deserved everything that got he got at the end. And like he's just sitting even
0: there the... in his little boxers covered in blood. Like, uh, uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my, like, and it's your fault. Gary died. So good job.
0: It's yeah, percent on you, Wes.
1: But anyways, I, that was my final thought. But. We can go on to the. I can't rubric. believe I
0: forgot Gary C. because that's a, he was funny and important. So he's like, "What the hell are you <laughs> doing here? Let me out of here, man!" And then the door closes, and he's like, "I you know, like how Gats like, oh, no, he's part of this now. This is on you. You did this. <laughs> this is on you." And he's Stupid. like, "No, no." He's like, "No, yeah, he's part of it now. You can't leave." And then yeah, go in the stall, Wes. I like how he says it, all calm, Wes. Go in the stall and close it. <laughs> you don't want to mm-hmm. see this. It's like what? So it's like this whole movie he makes him think that you're important going to save the world when really i just want to take your stuff and make sure you die as i go back to space yes it's wild all right y'all so we got this new rubric four segments with each one worth 25 points so a total of 100 just like any other assignment in the classroom so yeah let's start with the first one here our literary element so how do we think we got five options here i think it supported the literary side pretty good i mean use of characters it's got a very Mm -hmm. lovecraftian vibe which I think was intentional.
1: I like the um the script. The script was well written. The, oh, yeah, dialogue, the dialogue was well done.
0: On point. And the characters, I mean, I don't like West, but you're not supposed to like West, so I think that they did a good job. Yeah. You know what I mean it, like because character development a, is a big deal. It's, not it's
1: very successful writing because you get enough about West to understand that he is not likable and he and there's no there's not gonna be growth with Wes because it's not possible because of who he is. So I think yeah. that was written well. Like you're not supposed to see character development with him. I agree. He was just a selfish, horrible person. So it was no, well done. Like,
0: you got a lot of the character growth through Gat's narrative, like uh, conversation mm-hmm. pieces. So a lot of the story elements popped out for me in that which I thought was really good. Um so yeah, I mean I would say probably not a twenty five because just of The lack of, in some areas, how it's definitely drawn out. But I could see giving it like a 20. The narrative supports most of the literary elements. Like, it does a good job. There is some parts like I said, it falls flat. Because I feel like they just ran that long time because they had J.K. Simmons. Which I don't fault them for because it's J.K. Simmons.
1: Yeah.
0: But it could have been cut a little short. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: I thought it was good, though. Like I said, all the script was great. The story development was pretty solid. It was, it just, it, it drug on. I think in more than one spot where I really could have, you could have cut 10, 15 oh, minutes. Oh, I,
1: I absolutely agree. Cause I mean, what, what was it? Like an hour and 19 minutes or something? Like runtime? 89 on it. minutes. Oh, it is? I felt like, yep. oh, that's with credits. Never mind. Yeah. Well, Everything from yeah. start
0: to finish, 89 minutes. And it could yeah, been it's too long. 50, I think. 49 yeah, might have been a good spot for it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll give 20 for the first column here and it's going to directing elements. This one I think was pretty good. Like visually it looks awesome. Of course we have a whole visual element too, but like the set design, great. Um like I said their use of one location, like that fire pit with a, it's all behind you and you just have like this kind of the sense that he's alone in this spot even when the trucker lady is there is very strong.
1: Yeah. It's very remote.
0: And then inside and that it's bathroom the way it's lit, the way they they shoot those like in the stall shots, mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. Um, yeah. so I think it's well directed. The way they set it up, the you know it's 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 pretty there.
1: Yeah, I feel like the with the visuals and the stalls, it it's meant to make you feel very claustrophobic and very like you're a caged animal, like you can't get out. So I think that was well done.
0: Yeah. And like the the middle of our our rubric kind of goes together because it's like cinematography and directing and just overall of the film. So
1: oh, let's see:
0: connect the narrative, set design, overall character design. I do think the characters are good. Um, like I said, Wes he's a good character. The only thing, and I, I like it and don't like it, as from a Lovecraft side, he's already kind of mad, so you don't get that real descent. Um, but from just an overall character, because I don't think you're supposed to necessarily like him you're supposed to feel off put by him from yeah. jump street. Cause he is definitely something is off, but that's how the actor Absolutely. plays it. So I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I, I could go pretty high on this one. Maybe a, a 20 again. Really? What do you think?
1: Um, yeah, because I think, I think that the, the trucker in the beginning was not necessary to the story. So I would, I think that would deduct points for me.
0: Yeah. I think she like I was said,
1: kind of in there. Just to be there, yeah. It she he didn't really propel. Need. It's yeah, no, because you have the foreshadowing in the beginning where he's in the car and he is starting to fall asleep, and he's got that flashback of her, and yeah. then he sees the eye of God, yeah,
0: which is weird. And then that when he screams, yeah. you see it zoom out. Like there's a lot of that that you didn't need that yeah. person there.
1: No, you didn't. Like that was enough foreshadowing alone where yeah. she was not needed.
0: To me, it was just another instance where they were trying to make the movie longer.
1: Yeah. Going for a feature length runtime. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Twenty. So
0: Twenty. I think. I mean. like that's fair. Twenty or fifteen. But. Says, I, I wouldn't
1: say fifteen. I think the directing was well done. I don't. I wouldn't go down that far.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Like so I said, I think it did most of it. It was good. There was just. I do think it would have been better suited as like a short film. But then with a short film, mm-hmm. your only real options are gonna be like YouTube or conventions or you know like. Yeah. So you lose out on that like Shutter premiere or, and.
1: Yeah, or it would need to be, like, part of an anthology. Like, that. that's yeah. how they would have been able to do that one. A couple
0: stories thrown in there. So, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. All right, so, let's move on to the visual element. Now, this one, I think, is amazing. Like, the overall aesthetic of the film,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: it's shot super well. And some of the camera shots are really cool. Like, I watched an interview um, with Rebecca McKendry and Ryan Coton and then Cotain. I can't remember who, who was interviewing them. But she talked about having to build that interior seat as a set so they could take walls out and move cameras, different angles and stuff. But the way they used yeah. it, I thought, was really well done. To be like a 15 by 15 room, even as a set, it's still a 15 by 15 interior shot This the walls move. So to yeah. get those shots and like the ones when he's in the stall and you really get that, you know, those kind of conversations and how they use like... Um, Gat stall, how there? It's black on the top and the bottom. You don't probably ever see anything other than that one time. You kind of see the bottom. You get that. Yeah, it's like a
1: dark abyss.
0: Yeah, you get that glimpse into the cosmic horror of of what Gat is. Uh, For visual element, I think it was really good. Like cinematography in this film is great. Like the shots are cool. The way they're lined out. The storyboarding was all done for, in my opinion, really well. And fairly mm-hmm. creative for what for what they had to get that out of it, I thought was kind of impressive. I mean, I would probably go a full 25 on that
1: one. Yeah, I'd agree with that only because with the the dankness of the bathroom and then the bright colors occasionally here and there, and like the tinted colors from like the barriers that he could put up around the outside mm-hmm. of it, it was really cool. I liked all that. I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah, like the CG kind of light, the purple light. And the cool mm-hmm. thing was I, f- I found out like, a, there's a lot of elements in this movie that are practical. Like, all, like, that stuff with Gary, the body parts, half of what you see of get at the bottom, that's all a practical effect. That's not CG. That's cool. So, the UCG, I think, and practical, and a good, it was a good marriage of both. So, I really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I liked it.
1: Yep. I would give that one a, a higher score, for sure. Okay.
0: Man, still get a high one, I think. We're already at, like, mm-hmm. 65.
1: All right, and that leads to sound.
0: Sound... This one...
1: This one's gonna fall flat.
0: Yeah, because they mm. use sound good. Like you said, the beginning and the end, the use of that song to kind of like sounds positive, but it's not. But then the rest of the movie, there's so much dialogue that there's not a lot of...
1: There's like, not we, musical score that... Yeah. Or Sandi. the soundtrack
0: as like uh, pushing the plot along. Like we talk, we've talked before in our previous episodes mm-hmm. about soundtrack or the score being a character.
1: Yeah. Um, and this is not.
0: Yeah, no. I don't think it was. But again... The, her emphasis was getting all you can out of J.K. Simmons. You know what I mean? So I, I get that. And a lot of it is about a weird conversation with an eldritch god in a bathroom, you know? So it's not a whole lot of room for score. But yeah, I think for yeah. what we're just basing it on.
1: I would hate to say it, but I I would... Looking at the rubric, I would I have to put it at a 10.
0: A 10. That's what I was thinking. Like, it this because it's one maybe two but i wouldn't go for a couple so
1: i wouldn't i wouldn't go for two only because i don't remember anything else other than his voice and that song
0: yeah and it's only the beginning and the end
1: yeah so i would I mean, say a 10
0: i looked at it for if you look up the soundtrack for this movie there's three songs
1: That's okay it. well that makes sense yeah, yeah. and i think yeah. it was meant to be mainly his voice that pushes the so, the story along so, It is Because the music and, Is only at the beginning yeah. You mm-hmm. hear the song
0: When he's driving You hear that sad song When he starts drinking Then that metal sounding song When yeah. he's burning everything And that's it There's no other music And
1: I and I don't remember That one as well So
0: Yeah so it only supports One of the elements You see his descent yeah. And the sadness At the beginning And then it's the credits So yeah I agree 10 um, For what a total of 75% mm-hmm. right? So what's that Like a solid C
1: yeah, it's a middle ground C.
0: Solid C. Okay, there you go, folks. Glorious, good film, if you've not seen it. Hopefully we didn't spoil it all for you. We we, we actually did spoil it all for you. You should have watched it first. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing?
0: <laughs> Why are you listening Don't... to this without watching the movie?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: I know, especially when I when I post it, you're going to see the poster. You know what the movie's about. You should have watched it first. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Are you solid C? Um, good film great elements a little longer than it should have been um yeah i do think overall it's a good film man c's not terrible it's in the middle i mean yeah i think going back if we could reuse this rubric on previous films some of the grades would be a lot different
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely
0: (laughs) so we'll see a more fluid
1: yeah rating
0: scale as we go forward Mm -hmm. all right so let's move on to our renamed new section
1: I uh, know. I'm so excited about it. So we just actually not we. I was like, "Ah, Bob, look, I am not as witty as you think I am." <laughs> I was like, "I'm terrible Sweet at titles," wild. and he he was like, "Oh, I got it, Jenny dreadfuls and I'm so stoked about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we well, had yeah, i thought I was like. like we cover a lot yeah. of short stories and like things we see on Reddit's and creepy pastas, and they all relate to the yeah. films, but they're not books, right? So I was like, we need something different. I think Jimmy Drefel's is perfect because they were supposed to be yes. short stories.
1: That's Just not to say that we we won't cover a novella or a book eventually, but most of the time it's going to be something a little bit shorter, so that's okay. It's perfect. But for now, that's that's what we have it as, and that's great. And I love it; it's fun. Dun, dun, it's dun, very dun. creative.
0: All right, so tell us about it. Take the lead, friend.
1: All right. Well, of course, we have to use Out of the Aeons, and I am very torn on this because in most sources, when you look this short story up, it'll lead with H.P. Lovecraft. The one I have printed only has H.P. Lovecraft's name on it, but this was actually written by another person, and her name was Hazel. I want to say Hazel healed or held i can't i don't know how to say her name H- held might maybe yeah, healed.
0: healed i mean it's h-e-a-l-d healed, I guess. so I'll yeah healed. so i'm, I'm saying healed.
1: yeah so i was like so who was it written by like i thought maybe it was like a collection of short stories that they collaborated on or whatever well i got to looking and i found this it's actually a blog but it's a it's a it's a researched blog so like i, I was okay using it but it was a correspondence between Lovecraft and a friend and then further down and as it like the story progresses like or the explanation of the story. Um, Hazel is having correspondence through letters with her friend. And what it boils down to is they were friends, and I say that loosely because there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not they had a relationship or not um, because he was still married and in the process of getting a divorce at the time. Or supposed to have been. And they were said to have gone to like all these um, museums together. And this particular story was inspired by a mummy exhibit. Which I thought was really cool because it really plays on that fact. But he actually revised this six times and gave it back to her to, to redo. So like in the correspondence between him and his friend, his friend bl- blatantly says it's like this was yours. I'm not, I don't, I don't have like the exact wording in front of me, but like in so many words, he said, this was definitely your piece of writing. Wasn't hers. And then she says, you know, he's such a gracious man and blah, blah, blah. Like she's like oozing over him. But she also says he was a very severe critic and he, and she trusted his judgment. So she allowed him to look over her piece that many times for revision so really he created it to what he wanted it to be it's it's kind of up in the air whether or not it was mostly him or if she just wrote like the bones of it and he just you know pumped it up so that's my little spiel on the history behind this piece
0: i mean it's so, like 15 pages printed so
1: yeah it's not that long
0: i didn't mean to cut you off but like for me if you revive something six times not that long i wouldn't say it's Probably, basically hp lovecraft story at this point
1: yeah well i just don't know who to give credit to because she also had a hand in it and some of it was hers so yeah
0: yeah you know even
1: even though you're a little biased when it comes to lovecraft i mean
0: i won't say necessarily biased but if you think about it and this is where i'm at I've, i've read a lot of lovecraft and a lot of people take his his characters like The Cthulhu mythos is not all just Lovecraft. It's like a handful of authors who use those characters. So even if she did write this story, she's using all the lore from the world he created.
1: Oh, well, yeah. And that's probably, well, it's probably part of his revision process is he added stuff that he wanted added and it essentially he took credit for it.
0: Well, I mean, if he added all the lore to this, he wrote 85% of the story. Because a lot of it is the throwback to, I forgot how to pronounce it now. Yeah. Gotanathoa and like where he comes from and stuff and like the ancient world where they worshiped him and stuff. So all of that is Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. So if he added all that in a, in a revision, then he basically made more than half the story his own. So you could say it's of, written by yeah, both he, of them.
1: So, well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of sources, it they are written together, but his is always listed first. It's yeah, always listed first, you know, was, which is typical for the time anyway, because the main always going to be listed first. Well, this was
0: also at the end, towards the end of his career. Like this came out in 1935. He was only active from 1937. So he was already really famous for his stories. Yeah. And like the one I Let looked tell at you- says for Hazel Healed." It says by H.P. Lovecraft for her. <laughs> is the one I looked at. Like he wrote it. So I'm saying,
1: her. like it it's so conflicting, like everywhere you look, like yeah. there's no telling like what pe what part of e- of it each of them had written. It's true. just it's
0: true.
1: I, I like I don't know. Like so at this point I'm gonna say it's it is lovecraft but it's also hazel hield. Yeah,
0: I would think to say that she wrote a story that was in his world and he helped her make it
1: better. Well, that's, right? that's a whole I mean, I think part of that's revision, fair. the revision yeah, process. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean cuz god, he wrote the call of cthulhu in 1926, but like dagon, which is also part of that world, was written in 1917. So at this point, he's he'd already written nearly every major thing he's ever written. Like, the last thing he wrote was in 1935, so this same year. Like everything that he'd ever gotten published was already done. Like, the Necronomicon, the Domewich Horror, uh, At the Mountains of Madness, The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which is one of his most famous works. All of these books that he's famous for, he'd already written at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. his whole entire mythos was done. All she kind of did was, like, hey. But she wasn't the only one. There's, like, a ton of people who like collaborate or write in his world because she did more than that one too she did a couple that are attributed to her like the horror in the museum the horror in the burying ground uh, the man of stone
1: yeah out of that's, the aeons. Right. that's right that that's probably part of the same collection oh yeah. what is his name that's why her name is on that anthology yeah so I mean I'm assuming they were
0: just a collaborator probably but I would if he couldn't say written you could definitely say inspired by but mm-hmm but you're right. For the time period, putting his name on it probably made people pick it up.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. women weren't revered at the time, so it it makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. So I had a lot of notes and highlighted parts, but um, go to town, bro. I well, I'm I'm gonna be a little choosy on what I talk about though, because I have written so much. But the thing is, I try to listen to the audio to kind of like have a supplement as I read along. I could not follow the audio; I had to read it. Because there's so many words that are in his, you know, his lore that I just, yeah. I needed to see written down. So, there's a huge section of this story that talks about, um, I'm assuming his name was Dr. Johnson, is who, who's writing this. So, Dr. Johnson, it's like he's writing a journal. These are his notes. Yeah. And he, he's like, look, you can read, the, my curators can read this after I'm dead. But you can't read these before. And I think there was a lot of good reasoning why by the end. So, but there's a section of it where he actually. They, okay, so let me just back up. They find this mummy, or what they think is a mummy, from the middle of the ocean off this island. That's kind of cone-shaped and it's really weird. The structures are weird. And these people go out and they find this this mummy and they bring it back. Well, they there was like this trap door. Somewhere on this island And they tried to get it open. they couldn't And so Some of the explorers or whoever wanted to go back out And look for this trap door But by the time they got back the island was gone It had sunk back down into the ocean yeah. So that's where we're at And so these people are in this museum So there's like all these different people So we have a taxidermist We have The superintendent of dissection And then we have Dr. Johnson, who also works at the museum, he's like a, he's also a curator. So he's talking about the new curators of the museum, like whoever takes that over would get his notes, basically. So that's what I'm assuming, um, which I think curators are so cool. And I think it's because I love the mummy, but that's just that. But anyways, um, cool so as, you know, it sounds like a really cool job. I mean, it sounds really boring, but it also sounds really fun. So. As this story progresses, like they tr- they they keep an eye on the mummy. They keep it out in, as a display, but it has this weird grayish like liquid out, like like a membrane over it, and like it's mummified really strangely. And all these people from like all over the place, like like Middle Eastern people and people from different like religions and stuff. They talk about turbaned people. I mean, he, he you could really tell he was. A racist person yeah <laughs> reading reading this like, like it was at all no he didn't and he he made it very uh, he made a point to say like almost like they were heathens yeah i mean that's really where I, what i got out of it so as the story goes dr let's say dr johnson i'm getting the name so, Yeah. okay so dr johnson reads the black book because everybody keeps saying hey this is all. This is all lore from this black book. That's who this is. This is Tiog or however you say his name. Um, and this this guy in the black book was like he was told that you know they all these people were worshiping these priests and all these people were worshiping. What is his name again? I'm gonna say God because I'm not trying to say that every time.
0: Katana Thola. So
1: yeah, there you go. But they're 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 like worshiping him. He's like I'm gonna go up there. I'm gonna take his power and I'm gonna blah blah. He's like. Being all cocky and shit. But he goes up to that mountain. But he never comes back. And they're like, we tried telling him. He didn't, he wouldn't listen. So now everyone that's coming to this museum are saying, that's who this is. He's yeah. finally been... He's been recovered from this the mountain that he went up on and, you know, disappeared into. There's a scroll that has all this weird, like, symbols and stuff painted on it. Uh, there's a section that says... The large, bold hieroglyphs extending in a narrow line down the center of the scroll and pinned or painted with a gray pigment defying analysts resembled nothing known to linguists or paleo- paleographers and could not be deciphered despite the transmission of photographic copies of every living expert in the given field. So Like, they don't know what this is. Yeah. It's not of this world. Like they, they, So they knew that. And then as the story goes on, like, all these weird deaths start happening. Like, they're, like, cardiac arrest. And, like, people, like, seem like they were terrified and all these things. Because they looked, they kept saying, like, you know, they looked into the eye of the, of the mummy. But they're, like, the, the eyes are closed. But, like, as yeah. the story goes on, you start noticing that the eyelids are opening. And I'm, like, E-Dude. Like, and then they're saying, it seems like the membrane is starting to finally break down. And he's becoming, like, loose. Like, and that's how they kind of explain it. Like, instead of being in that fetal position, he's starting to kind of relax and, like, all that stuff's, like, falling away from him, which I thought was very creepy. And I thought that was well done. And then I'm not going to go through, like, all the different deaths and everything, but what killed me at the end, I'm like, are y'all stupid? So they have they wanted to dissect it. Yeah. Yeah bad news bears you shouldn't have even thought about that 100%. so they start dissecting him and he's freaking alive on the inside yeah he's got he's got pumping organs and blood and then at the very end i loved how it ended because i thought the end was perfect um but he's like i'll just read the last part it says at 3 30 p.m the brain case was opened and ten minutes later, our stunned group took an oath of secrecy, which only such guarded documents as this manuscript will ever modify. Even the two reporters were glad to confirm the silence, for the opening had revealed a pulsing living brain. I'm like, so essentially what happened is this dumb person went up on this mountain to see God and was told not to yeah, and saw him and... Became like a almost a living zombie, like he was trapped.
0: Yeah, like a statue almost.
1: Yeah, and then he just kind of got mummified because like the outside of him died, yeah. so to well, speak.
0: If you look into some of the, um and it's in this story too, because when I listened to it, because I I listened to it, and it was really cool. Podcast that has this British sounding dude reading it, and so it sounded real like Lovecraftian, you know what I mean? Like with the,
1: the yeah, I tried to listen to duh, that duh, too. Duh. I
0: couldn't do it. Um, but they talk about how that guy was how Gatana Thoa has all these priests because of this power, right? Because they, they, they touch on it in the movie a little bit. Like, my power is to, like, end the world. But in the, in the story, he, like, literally freezes people solid like that. Like, they basically tell you that's what's going to happen. Like, they, they tell you what he's known for. And all the all his priests, they, they're afraid of him. Yeah, so the guy that that's the mummy in the story that we think who he is, he was this other, he was the priest of the less malevolent, outer gods so there's like um in the Cthulhu mythos there's like yogg and shug or however you say his name these other ones that are not necessarily like good dudes but they're not like benevolent so they're not there to like inhumanity they just want to kind of rule so he talks about like praying to them or whatever and getting a scroll that could bind uh Gathana but then his priests find out about it and swap it out. So that's why he's not successful. So, because I, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of like, what? And I, cause I read it too. And it seems like he was real confident that he was going to be successful, unknowing that his original scroll was swapped for some nonsense. And then, of course, he gets frozen in his body for however many years.
1: Yeah. And then I did note that Dr. Johnson does eventually look into the mummy's eyes when he comes back. Like, he's called back to the museum because the the mummy's eyes had, like, opened. Yeah. And he gets kind of stuck in a trance staring into his eyes. And it was everything that that priest had saw in yeah. his final moments with God, yeah, uh, And he's, like, trapped there, too. And then he passes out. And I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah. You are dead, sir. <laughs> like, so...
0: It had a very, a very Lovecraftian twist, because it goes from, yeah we found something, we thought it was cool, and it's always like those, I guess in the time period, those kind of archaeologists or like that pre-Indiana Jones, but Indiana Jones type people out there finding these things, you know, these uh, artifacts, these relics, was super popular, right? That was the stories of the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I definitely have that vibe to it, and then you see like this slow descent into just not good. <laughs> like you said it's like yeah i see these i stared into the the mummy's eyes and you know i was locked and you're just like okay and again i'm like why well, would you do that like what
1: are you doing so i i appreciated the beginning of this because as a side note in brackets he puts executor notes or executor's notes or whatever um so like the person who gets the journals from Dr. Johnson has Has also written in to these journals saying, hey, this is how they were found dead. So I thought like, you know, from the very beginning that these curator notes are like the last will and testament type deal of the curator of the museum. And like what was like, it was like a warning, but it says executor. Yeah, executor's note. Dr. Johnson died suddenly and rather mysteriously of heart failure on April 22nd, 1933. Wentworth Moore, taxidermist of the museum, disappeared around the middle of the preceding month. On February 18th of the same year, Dr. William Minot, who superintended a dissection connected with the case, was stabbed in the back, dying the following day. Uh It's like they all freaking died and you're like, or disappeared and you're like, hot and that kind of pulled me in a little bit more i think so i liked how he did that um i didn't hate this piece i thought i was gonna hate it um i'm not big on sci-fi stuff usually Mm. or anything like pertaining to that um i've gotten a more used to it because i do appreciate some of the sci-fi horror movies like alien or predator and stuff like that um but like i was not sure i would like this but i did like this i thought it was well written I'm glad I actually read it physically because the audio for me is too hard to follow because I don't know the lore enough to follow all the names. And I think that makes it more difficult for me yeah. as a reader to do that. Some people could probably pick up on it and go with it, but I am a more visual person. Yes, I love and person. I, ha- I, I will listen if it was something a little easier Yeah, because this one has a lot of, like myth in it with like different types of names that you're not used to seeing or hearing so i think it was a lot easier for me to follow by reading it so and that's probably where i'll have to keep doing it until i get used to the yeah, to the I mean, world that he's created
0: i read the original one so like i kind of was already had already read a lot yeah. of how he writes so for me now listening to it especially with someone like the one i listened to with that kind of like upper class uh, white collar almost voice that makes it seem like someone that would have been a contemporary of Lovecraft. Because, say what you want about Lovecraft, is personal, was not a good dude. But, like, the movies like Alien, Predator, things like that, um, are only movies because of H.P. Lovecraft. Like, he pretty much is like the father of cosmic horror. Like, space horror, that unknown. Yeah. That seeing that person that. be confronted with these kind of things and then driven to madness. So, I mean, it... I don't, it's hard for a lot of people to separate the man from the work, but for something like this, you almost have to, because if you really want to say like, I hate H.P. Lovecraft because of his thoughts or his words or whatever, he's inspired so much that you would have to like really stop watching the majority of movies involving in space or horror for that matter. I mean, he has such a, a wide spread influence on the whole genre. Yeah. Right. You know, from well, top to
1: bottom. I- I don't like it when people stop, or they boycott things that don't, like, okay, everyone's, everyone is allowed their own opinion, with whether or not you think it's wrong or not. That's just the way your life goes. Yeah. But, like, you can't, if it's good writing, it's good writing. If it's good directing, it's good directing. Acting, same thing. Like, all of it's the same. Like, so, I get really frustrated when I'm like, I have a hard time listening to certain people, but I'm not going to make that outwardly known. If I don't want to listen to it or watch it, I just don't. So like I I get it. Um but a lot of your old fiction writers are probably gonna have horrible opinions on a lot of things. <laughs> so um and you probably shouldn't read them if that if that's the case, you know? Yeah, you know? I, mean,
0: I agree. And like I said, it's your right choice. I think it's written well. Um it's a good story. It adds a lot to the mythos. I like. Because I mean he was definitely afraid of foreign people, and you can tell that in all of his writing.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I think that. Okay, so when was this written?
0: Nineteen thirty-five.
1: 30, okay, think about the time it was written. So you you just came out of World War One and Two, right? Not
0: Two. It was thirty-five. World War Two was forty-five.
1: What? Oh, uh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of racial tension anyway, and fear i feel like a lot of times writing comes out of that so like even if i mean if you take most of like horror movies like dracula and all them like they they stemmed from eras where there was like panic of certain types of people or death and that kind of stuff so like i think that the the worry and like i don't know how i'm trying to articulate this but like the worry of like certain people that you are unsure of I feel like that came out well only because of the time period, that time period piece, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we don't have to agree with it today. Like I said, he was definitely a weird dude for sure. Being for sure it's documented, he was for sure racist. He didn't like any, he was also classist and he was just an odd dude and not making justifications for him. Uh, But I think his writing stands, his mythos stands. Some of his writing is, it's a little, it's definitely you can see his fear of other people in it. But I think just the, yeah. The cosmic horror, the the mythos that he's created, I think will stand forever. Like, Cthulhu is one of the most popular creatures, deities, like, for inspiration um, of almost mm-hmm. any other author. You know what I mean? Like, that, you say that name, people know what it is. It's got video games. It has board games, books, toys, clothes. He pops up in random movies that aren't even really horror movies. Like, there's some undersea movie at the end of it
1: is freaking Cthulhu, you know what I mean? So it's like, he's everywhere. I, I mean, you could be Colin watching now, South Park. Old Girl from True Blood, not
0: True Blood, but Twilight in it. There's a movie where Cthulhu's at the end, but you're just like, what? Oh, oh okay. yeah. <laughs>
1: you're talking about Kristen Stewart.
0: Yeah, I'm like, why Why is Cthulhu in this? But, okay. So, yeah, it stands. It's good stuff. Um, It inspired Glorious, which I, I liked. Like I said, it could have been shorter, but I liked it. So, I mean, it, it's it's the, the influence is going to spread far past his influence himself like his mythos is influenced more i than maybe lovecraft himself um but he's kind of synonymous with it you know you say the word lovecraft people know exactly what you're talking about and they're not always relating yeah. or thinking about his cat name and other nonsense but they're thinking about his influence on the world right so yeah there we go so it sounds like guys, that's the bell let's wrap it up what do you think
1: oh it's a sad day it's over
0: i know i heard that i was sad but yeah, guys, so that's our episode this week, right? We talked about Glorious, Solid Sea, Out of the Aeons, written by Healed and Lovecraft. H.P.
1: Lovecraft and Hazel Held. And
0: Hazel Held. whatever. And yeah, so check them out. <laughs> Definitely watch the movie. Read the story. Listen to the story. However you uh, take in your literature. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, at the time of this, will be available on pretty much all podcasting platforms. And also YouTube. So Give us a follow. Give us a like. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think, guys. And we will see you next time.
1: Bye.